Worthy, worthy, worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Thank you, Lord. As Romans 8 says, you didn't hold back your son, your only son. How will you not with him freely give us all things? I just keep hearing your presence is like heaven. Amen. Jesus is so beautiful. Wow. Let's see. Thank God that we don't have to be like the pool of Bethesda where the water has to be stirred. You know, as I was praying this morning, uh, I was in my prayer closet. I was just spending time with the Lord, and he just kept bringing back to me. In Hebrews, where he talks about he sends out his angels as ministering spirits of fire. To, and they're, they're sent out to minister to the heirs of salvation. Another passage of Scripture says that, the, that his angels, are, they hearken to the voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord, and uh, they, they respond to the word of God. Amen? So I believe that when we gather and we pray in obedience, and we, we do, I believe God sends forth angels. We don't send them forth. He does. We don't command them. He sends them. But as we make agreement, they, they ride on the wind of his word. And they uh, are ministers to the heirs of salvation. So I just believe as we prayed for Jordan, God was sending angels to go minister to Jordan. I believe as we pray over Josh, God sends angels to, to, to him and to, even to the workplace. If, amen. I mean, if an angel will show up to a donkey, keep somebody from doing something, I believe he can show up to an unbeliever. Amen. <laughs> I got lots to say. I just want to make sure it's what he has to say. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. Here we go. Let's just be awkward for a minute. I'm not afraid. Let's just be awkward for a minute. Just see. Holy Ghost, what do you want to do? Man. All right. We're just going to jump in. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I've shared a lot out of the book of Ephesians, love, love, love the book of Ephesians, and uh, the book of Ephesians can be broken down into two parts, I've said before, Verses, chapters 1 through 3 deal with our who, our identity, chapters 4 through 6 deal with our do, our position, and what that looks like. Once we know who we are, then we shouldn't just sit around declaring who we are. Once we understand who we are, that it ought to motivate us to act out of our identity, not to get identity, and that's what's been backwards in the church for so long, is that many people get in the Word and they get in the uh, church and they feel like they have to do something to be pleasing to God. 
instead of being who God created you to be, and from that, you will work out of the fruit in your life. And you'll produce fruit. So Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul writing, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So I think it's clear from this passage of Scripture, just meditating on it for a moment, we can see that everyone here, if you have relationship with the Lord, there's a calling on your life. It does, not just the pastors and the evangelists like Ben or, or someone who you say, well, they're a teacher. No, every one of us has a calling on our life. There's a purpose that God has placed inside of us. When we get born again, we're born with his spirit and there's purpose on the inside of us and God desires to work in and through us. Let's keep reading. Um, Verse four says, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. That's good news. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace, which literally means gift, a gift was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So no one in this room who has relationship with Jesus Christ can say out of truth that there's nothing they have to offer that you're just here to get something so that you can be encouraged, so that you can make it till the next time you get a little more so you can be encouraged again. On the authority of the Word of God, every one of us, there's a gift that's been placed on the inside of us. And I believe it's on the inside of everyone who's created. Those who come into relationship with Jesus, that, that gift awakens and they, they have an opportunity to offer it back to Him. But there's a gift. He gave gifts unto men. And there's gifts that's been given to each of us that we have the opportunity to use for him. That's where I want to go back to verse one. He said this, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. This word walk, I've, I've uh, shared it before in the past, but over for the past two weeks, the Lord's had me really meditating on that word. The song that Mel sang today has just wrecked me. Everything and nothing less. I surrender. And I've prayed since we did the Azusa meeting. Leading up to that, I've prayed, God, I give you my everything. I don't even know what that looks like. We, so, we can be so religious and say, God, I surrender all, but I can't do this. And Lord, you can't be asking me to do that. That's not really surrender then, is it? Come on, y'all can work with me. Uh, people besides you, they love you. They're not going to bite you. They're not even going to look at you funny. You're not in that church. You're in this one. You can talk out loud and people won't, get, people won't say anything. Amen. The word walk there, the Greek word is peripateo. That's how I say it anyway. <laughs> and here, it means this. It suggests a person who has walked in one region for so long that it has now become his environment his place of daily activity, the sphere that encircles his existence. 
One expositor notes that the word peripateo could be best explained by thinking of a person who has walked one path so habitually that he <clears throat> would be able to walk that path blindfolded because it is his path, his fear, the place where he has habitually lived and functioned. He said, walk worthy of your calling. Galatians 5 says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For many, many years, the church has kind of taught that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, and then you'll be in the Spirit, which is totally contrary and backwards to the Scripture. The Scripture says, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that word walk is this right here, peripateo, and it means this, to walk habitually, who is wa- a person who has walked in one region for so long that has now become his environment. You know, God's desire when he put the Holy Spirit on the inside of us was not for manifestation, but it was for habitation. It was dwelling place. He said, Paul wrote in Corinthians, what, don't you know that your body is the temple of the living God, the resting place, the habitation of the living God? And he's saying here in Galatians and here in Ephesians that we should walk in such a way that we walk in the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord in obedience. Say it's not just knowing about God, it's knowing God and walking with God like God on the earth. That's our call. That's the everything and nothing less. That's the Romans 12, 1 and 2, where we present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. That's what he's asking for. It's not a work that we do that makes us acceptable. It's a work that we do from who he's placed in us, who is the Holy Spirit. But it's not enough just to know that. Amen. He said, walk worthy. Walk worthy of the calling. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So, it's clear from this, just these few verses that everyone here has a calling. There's something in your life, and here's where we miss it. There's people in your world, in your realm of influence, that you can reach that no one else can with the gospel. And that doesn't mean that you just walk up to them and say, you know, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. That's not what I'm talking about. The gospel's the good news. It's that we have the opportunity to demonstrate, to express who Jesus is to the world in which we live. And I, I believe that we in the church understand that. But wisdom, the other word the Lord has had me meditating on this week is wisdom. And wisdom is not just knowing how to do things right. It's knowing and doing. Wisdom isn't just gaining knowledge that makes you smarter than everyone else. Wisdom is knowing how God acts and how God functions and doing the same. That's true wisdom. So wisdom is an action, not something that we gain, that we just sit on. So as we're walking in wisdom, we're not just learning about God. We're not getting to know more about God. We're getting to see, what did Jesus say in John 5? I only do what I see my Father doing. I only what? Do. He didn't say, I don't hear, I just hear, and that's what I do. I just sit around and listen to God all the time. No, he said, I do what I see my Father doing. So is the Father doing? Yes, the Father's doing. He's always doing, and as we see him, then we can partner with him. Uh, Wow. I'm trying to see. 
verse chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. I just want you to see this word walk and how much it's, it's here in the scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what is he saying? God has prepared beforehand. Before you were here, God's prepared good works that you can do. And that what he's asking is that we walk in them, that we get to the place where we know that when we pray, God hears. That when we move, God moves. When we go and when we do what we hear the Lord saying to us to do, it's not up to us to bring about results. It's up to us to walk in obedience. So it's, I'm not saying that there's a lot that we need to, to go do so that God can be happy. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is he said that our sphere, our walk should be that to where we are so in communion with the Lord that when we walk, it literally is heaven on earth. Do you understand that you are an open heaven? You are an, we don't have to pray, God, rend the heavens. That's an Old Testament prayer. When Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. He said, I saw the heavens open. That word open means rent, rent. It's the same one that they prayed in the Old Testament. God, rend the heavens and come down. That's prayed all the time. In New Testament churches, God, rend the heavens and come down. We're just praying for an open heaven. God said that when the Spirit of God came down, he rent the heavens. He tore the heavens open. So the heavens became open and Holy Spirit came and sat upon, rested upon Jesus. And that Jesus was an example of us, of what God is doing in us. He was the forerunner for us. He was the firstborn from the dead, Right? That's Jesus. So what he did on earth, he did as an example so that we could walk after him in the same manner that he walked, that we could walk, peripateo, that our world, that our, our manner of living would be that just like what Jesus walked in. That's uncomfortable. Because <laughs> when we look at Jesus and we see Jesus, we go, well, that was Jesus. He did that. But he, if he did it as God, then it's worthy of our admiration. But if he did it as a man, which he did, then what he did is set a precedent and said, this is how you're supposed to live. That's what John 14, 12 said when he said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. He set a precedence that we're to walk out. And that this walk is not something we have to strive for. This walk is something we need to rest in. He said, I, I mean, he said there in Ephesians that there, there's a calling for each of us, Right? Work with me, right? There's a calling for each of us. And that it, with that calling, he's placed his spirit on the inside of us to do it. Because as, and you under, if you're wondering, where does all this coming from? As I was praying, and we were, as we met as leadership about Azusa, uh, one of the things that we said is we're not after an event. And I think many times I've looked in, in uh, church history, especially in charismatic churches, and what we become is event-driven. We go from event to event to event. If we can just get to this event, then we can get what we need to get to the next event. Instead of understanding and walking in the wisdom of the Lord that God said, I've placed it on the inside of you, and you won't ever do it perfectly. But as we walk out in obedience, we grow in understanding. We hear more clearly. We see more clearly. So we act more obediently. But it all starts with a step in saying, God, I'm going to walk. Just as kids, as they start walking, you know, I'm not saying it's never happened, but for the most part, when a child starts learning how to walk, they'll take a step or two and they fall down. That's why God gave them short legs. 
short legs, because when they hit the ground, can you imagine as an adult falling just straight back on your butt like you see a kid does? Any takers? You want to try right now as illustration. Anybody want to just stand up here and just fall straight back with your hands in front of you like a child does? That's why they have diapers. It's a little bumper pad for the booty. And they hit the ground, and they just look at you, and they smile. But they, you know what? They, they get back up, and they walk. I, I haven't ever in my life, I'm not saying it's never happened, I've never seen a kid just decide, today I'm going to walk, and I'm never going to fall, and I'm not going to sit down. I'm just going to walk. And they just get up, and they just take off walking without any stumbles, without any mistakes, and they just walk. No issues. Adults don't even do that. <laughs> Adults stumble and fall. <clears throat> See, I guess that's why God engineered me the way he did. He knew that I would have stumbles. <laughs> so he engineered me vertically challenged so that I don't get hurt when I fall. <laughs> I used to fall quite a bit, especially running. I would get ahead of myself, literally. My head in front of me and I'd fall over. <laughs> I'd be running so fast I'd get my head too far in front of me and I'd fall over. And we can do that too in the spirit. We can get so far ahead of ourselves. But the Lord is saying, I want you to walk. And I want you to walk worthy of the calling that I've called you. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 4 again. Um, just, let's look at verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to walk, all uncleanliness with greediness. And I'm going to stop. I'm not going to go through, read all of that. But he said this, that we should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. This is that word peripateo. Our manner of living our sphere, what's comfortable to us, should not be like the Gentiles. Now, who's the Gentiles? That's the unbelievers. So what is God saying? Our manner of living, our expectation, what we think we should see, what we think life should hand us, should not be like the Gentiles, the unbelievers. Because it says, in the futility of their mind, look, he says, like the Gentiles, in the, do not walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, in their reasoning, in their understanding. If you find yourself constantly over in reason, trying to figure things out and reason things out, you know what you are? You're over in the futility of your mind, not over in the wisdom of the Lord. Because God will ask you to do things that make absolutely no sense. It doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense. It just to our reason, to our understanding, we don't know why God's saying do this. Even in the economy of God, God said, if you want to be blessed, what do you do? You give. If you want to be blessed, give. He said, freely you've received, freely give. So in God's economy, we don't hoard and hold on to, we give. And as we give, it opens the door for God to give more into us, give, and it'll be given you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. See, that's upside down. We live in an upside down kingdom. God tells us to do things that look contrary. He says, humble yourself and I'll lift you up. In the world's system of reason, it's let me do everything I can do to make me look good and everybody else look bad. And, and for Josh, we pray for Josh for promotion. The world system says you take credit for other people's stuff so that you can look better than them and you put other people down. You point out their faults so you can shine brighter. That's the system of the world. I don't care what workforce you work in, it's, it's prevalent there. 
There's always people who are trying to step on others to get where they want to go. And they'll do whatever it takes to get there. That's the, way, that's the futility of the mindset of a Gentile. It's thinking, I've got to make a way for me. Where the other is, Jesus said, you humble yourself. You serve as unto me, not unto men, and watch what I do. Even if people overlook you, I can promote you. Because your trust is not in man, it's in me. That's our, that should be our sphere of living. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not just talking about we walk around and do miracles all the time. I'm talking about if we go to work and it looks like I'm being treated unjustly, we go, you know what? Joseph was treated unjustly and he, he served unto the Lord, not unto man. And what did God do for Joseph? He blessed him. Everywhere he was, he prospered. Everywhere he was, he prospered. So if we have that mindset that I'm not gonna work, I'm not gonna walk, I'm not gonna, my, my place of familiarity is not gonna be one where I'm always on my shoulder because I know he's got my back. That doesn't mean we become a doormat. See, I want this to be so practical we can't miss it because I believe we make Christianity so spiritual no one can get it. And God said, I want it to be so practical. This is how you live your life. We've walked through situations, my wife and I, and people have come to family members and said, I don't understand. People from the outside looking and said, I don't understand how you're doing what you're doing. And you know what we had the opportunity to do? Share Jesus. We didn't have to say, you're going to hell. We didn't have to say that. We had the opportunity to share Jesus and say, you know why we can do what we're doing? It's because Jesus is the strength and the source of our life. That's why we can do what we do. See, God will open opportunities for us to share life if we'll just be looking to him. If we'll be living from that place, if our area of familiarity is walking in communion and fellowship with him, then we're not in that place where we're going from crisis to crisis. We're in a place where we're going from communion to communion. And we know that no matter what I'm facing, God is greater than this. And we can be a testimony even when we're not preaching to other people. Because people can see there's something different about it. There's been testimonies that come in here that people have told me, their family told them, said, you're just different. What's different? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And that's what he's talking about here, that we walk in a place that's not in the futility of our mind, that we walk in a place that Jesus has seen. And, it, and I love Paul, how practical Paul is, because I'm going to go right over in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm gonna, I guess I'll wrap it up there. Ephesians 5, verse 1, this puts it pretty simple. Therefore, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave him, has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. So what is he saying? What should be our sphere, our, our area that's familiar to us that we walk in all the time? Love. Why is that? What does 1 Corinthians 13 say about love? It never fails. Love never fails. So if we choose love, we choose to walk in love, even when there are those who are unlovely in our lives, what is that? What is that? You know what it is? That's the practical life of Christianity being lived out in the front of others. That's what it is. That's a spirit-filled life. When I choose love, when I have every right to not choose love. 
See, as I said, I want this to be so practical. I believe we can be spirit-filled, tongue-talking, full of the power of God and sit in our houses and sour. Because all we, we become is this gathering place, this gathering pool that never lets water out. You know what water does when it stagnates? When it gathers, it stinks, it stagnates. You know what happens there in that place? Sickness grows. Disease grows. Amen. That's what happened. But God said that I've created you to be rivers of living water. So rivers is something that's flowing. It's something that's moving, that God is moving out. And that's my heart for us, that you can understand. It's just we started. I'm going to close. As where we started was this. He said that there, every one of us has a calling, right? Right? Every one of us has a calling. And he said, you need to walk in that calling. Here's what you need to understand. If you don't, no one else can. I can't walk in Brandon's calling. I can take, you know, in the church I grew up in, there was all these young preacher boys. And the young preacher boys acted like the preacher. They walked like the preacher. They talked like the preacher. They preached like the preacher. There was this little shadow. There was this preacher boys. And when I got into youth ministry, I used to tell people all the time, I tell these young people, I say, don't try to be me because all you'll be is an imitation. But you be the best you that you can be through the power of God and you'll be the original he created you to be. And you'll impact lives that only you can reach, that I can't reach. And that's my heart's desire, that we be a church that is full of the faith, the love and the power of God. And that we walk in such a place that not when we gather here and we bring everyone in, but that everywhere we go, no matter what our workplace is or where our, our, our gathering places is, that we go there and we affect a difference in that place that we're thermostats, not thermometers. We don't go in a room and adapt to that temperature and just act like that room, but that we go in that room and we shift it and we change it because that power is what lives on the inside of us. Jesus placed his spirit, his love, his faith, his power on the inside of us. And he said, I've given it to you to use freely. Freely you've received, freely give. That's what the world is looking for. That's what we have the privilege to show today. Not someday today. It can be in the restaurant. It can be wherever we work. But we choose to walk not in the futility of our minds like the Gentiles do. Not trying to figure everything out. That doesn't mean you don't plan. But what it means is this, that my trust and my hope is in the Lord. It doesn't matter what men may do to me because I know he's my redeemer, that he's alive and he's promised that he would prosper me. He would bless me and he would give me an expected end. So I can walk there in a place of confidence. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter if I don't get the affirmation from people that I feel that I should get because of the things that I've done. Well, I did that and nobody even recognized it. Well, I won't do that anymore. You know what that is? That's the futility of your mind. That's reason that says I've got to be stroked before I do anything else. I love you. The spirit-filled life is a life that's full of the love of God that says, it it doesn't matter. You know, Paul even dealt with that in Corinthians. He said, I don't care if I have the uh, the tongues of men and angels and I can do all these things. If I don't have love, I'm just making a lot of noise. I'm just making a lot of noise. And I'm not looking for noisemakers. I'm looking for history makers world changers. And that's who we are. Look at your neighbor. Neighbor, that's who you are. You're a world changer. 
You're a history maker. That's who you are. Amen. Next week, next week we're going to look, we're going to continue to look at this because I didn't even get into it. We're going to talk about walking and we'll go back and talk about walking in love, walking in light, and walking in wisdom. But I will give you a little teaser. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, says this, For you were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. That's good news, isn't it? You weren't once darkness. He didn't say you were in darkness. He said you were darkness. But now you are light. That's good news. You know what? It doesn't matter what level your revelation is in the word and in the Lord and all that. God says when you come into relationship with him, you're light. Bam. You went from darkness to light. You went from not having anything that could do any eternal good to anyone because you were going the same place they were going to a place where it says you now have light, that just you being there. Do you understand? You are light. So just you being in a place brings light. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11, have no fellowship. And that word fellowship there, it's not koinonia, it's, um, it's a conjunction. It has the word koinonia in it, but it's a conjunction. And it literally means this, to be associated with in joint activity. So where he says here, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them or manifest so that your light comes in. When light comes in the room, it exposes darkness. And that's what he's saying we do. He didn't say we condemn it. He said we expose it for what it is. But he said here, we shouldn't have fellowship. And that word fellowship there means to, to be associated with in joint activity. We shouldn't be walking and doing the same things that darkness is doing. That's a no-brainer, right? That we shouldn't do those things. For it is shameful to even speak of the things which are done to them by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, listen to this. And this is what our prayer was leading into. And I'm not hung up on Azusa, okay? It was a point. It was a place in history. It was, a, it was an earmark that we can look back and go, something happened in the church, in lives of people at that place. The heart of that was awakening. Because I don't believe we need to get something we've already gotten. I think what we need to do is awaken to what's already been given. He said here in Ephesians 5, Awake you who sleep and r- arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Who's he writing to? Christians. He's writing to the church. And he said this, Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. That word awake means this. Listen, this is, I'm going to close. We'll talk about this next week. It means to rouse. It means from sleep, from sitting or lying It means to arouse from sickness or disease, from death, from obscurity, from inactivity, ruins, or non-existence. So when he said awake, he said it's time to to rise up, to rouse up from sickness and disease. It's time to rouse up from inactivity, from lying. Not lying like telling something that's not the truth. It means inactivity, not doing anything. He said it's, it's time. Do y'all believe it's time? I believe it's time. 
it's time that, that the church awaken. That God desires that we, our area of influence, if you, if, if you need a point, you need something to take home with, here it is right here. That God has said, I've given you a calling. I've given you an area of influence, a sphere that you walk in every day. And in that place, you're light. So as you walk as light, in my love, you'll draw people to you. People will see that there's something different about you and they'll desire to know. They may not come right, fall at your feet and say, I must be born again. But they'll see there's something different about you. And here's the thing. There will be a temptation to go religious. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. There'll be a temptation to get religious. Come on, Ben. There'll be a temptation to get religious and get preachy. And God said, I called you to be a light. I want you to know me, and I want you to walk in love so when that opportunity arises, what you speak to them is love. And you show them me. And as you show them me, he is altogether lovely. He is attractive. He is desirable in all the world. Amen? Let's stand.